This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. A lot to get into, Bax. Let's start with the fact that uh, another Ohio State player has transferred. Marcus Hooker has put his name in the transfer portal. Another defensive guy. All of the guys that have put their name in the portal over the last month plus have been defensive guys. Buckeyes are now one under the limit uh, for scholarships, as we all knew. This was take care of itself, and it has. A couple things. Uh, your thoughts on Marcus Hooker leaving, do you think that's going to hurt the depth at safety at all? And also, have any of the recent guys who transferred, Andre Turrentine, you know, Noah Potter, anybody, has anybody surprised you that has entered their name in the portal from Ohio State? I'm not particularly surprised by any of the three of these guys leaving. I think Turrentine was the one I was most, like, ah, darn about. But the end of the day, like, there's a lot of depth at those two positions. And, you know, Marcus Hooker's just another safety leaving because there's a bunch of younger guys ahead of him in the depth chart. This has happened since time immemorial. I know people talk about NIL and transfer portal. And, no, this, this is what happens when you get recruited over, which means you're an older guy with a younger guy ahead of you on the depth chart, and you're probably not getting on the field. Marcus Hooker is in all likelihood a special teams player at Ohio State this year, and that's it. So – I don't blame him for trying to go somewhere else where he thinks he can play, especially when you look at where most of these OSU guys that have, have gone into the portal, they've all landed on their feet. They've all landed at bigger schools for the most part. So I'm sure Hooker's going to have somewhere next year where he's going to start in base defense and it might be somewhere in the Mac or something, but he will start somewhere next year or play a lot somewhere next year, just like all these other guys are going to land somewhere next year. But he recruited an elite level like Ohio State Everybody else wants your scraps, your leavings, your guys that are falling off of the depth chart, right? Because you've recruited at such a high level for so long. So I'm not surprised. This is going to continue to happen. It has been happening. That's just how college football works. Let's get to a couple questions here. Um, David wants to know, he says, good morning, guys. Good morning to you, David. Um, great first name you have there. Uh, do we know if Coach Knowles will be on the field or in the box I need to ask him this next time we get a chance to talk to him, but um, he coached from the field at Oklahoma State and Duke. That's 12 years. I don't think he's going to change now. I like coordinators that do their thing from the box, but it's obviously been working for him. I'm, uh, I imagine he'll still coach from the field. What do you think, What do you think, Bax? I don't think he's going to change who he is, right? If he's brought here and told what you've been doing is successful, We'd like you to do it here. 
there's no reason he would change a major part of how he handles himself on game days, in my mind. So right. I, I have to think he's on the field. But like you said, we, we're going to have to kind of ask because you never know. And I do agree with you. I typically think coordinators need to have a bigger view of the field. But maybe he has somebody who has who eyes in the sky. And, you know, uh, I, I have to assume he'll be on the sideline. Another question here that I think a lot of people are wondering. This comes from Nick. He wants to know, is there any word on anyone coming in via the transfer portal instead of just leaving? Are we, are we just exporting or are we importing? We're importers and exporters, Seinfeld. Um, he says, I'm assuming the summer guys are already counted in the 84 scholarship number. That's correct. The guys that are coming in um, as incoming freshmen, those are already counted in the 84. To answer your question, um, I think they're definitely going to look for an offensive lineman and maybe even a corner, because right now they only have six scholarship corners um, on the team, and that includes the two uh, true freshmen, Jair Brown and Ryan Turner, who they both like. They like all six of their scholarship corners, so that's the good news there. But you kind of feel like you need seven scholarship corners. Usually you have about eight. I could see them at least looking backs for an offensive lineman and perhaps a defensive back in the portal. What do you think? I think the O-lineman is way more likely. Remember the Elias Ricks discussion a couple months ago when he hit the portal and OSU decided they weren't going to chase him because they didn't want to cause an exodus to some of these younger guys that are showing up? So I, I, I have trouble at this point thinking that they're going to find a corner that's anything more than a body. And if you're going to have just a body kind of guy, then you know let Brown and Turner play as the fifth corners. Uh I think the offensive line is a different story because they've lost some guys uh, in the last two months that me, maybe we didn't necessarily think we would lose or at least the public wasn't aware of. So I, I think Ohio State's probably going to be looking more at the offensive line because that's our depth position right now that I think we need the most. Now, whether there's an O-lineman that is fitting that sweet spot of doesn't come to Ohio State with a guaranteed starting offer but is good enough to potentially play here, I don't know. I think that that's a tough one to find. But especially with them under the 85 number now, I think Ohio State is always going to be looking to improve. I don't think that's just a now thing. I think that's, again, going forward, that's the way that this is going to work. And Ohio State's not typically been a school in the past that's had a ton of transfers, but we've had a couple very notable transfers in. Uh, obviously, Justin Fields being the most famous example. But, you know, look at this year with Tanner McAllister. He was brought in specifically to play a role on this team and this defense. So if there's a guy that they specifically see a role for, regardless of position, I think that's something that they're probably going to end up doing. Another question here. First one from Facebook. The rest of the questions so far have been from YouTube. We love questions from all of our social platforms. This is from Basil. Um, another one I'm sure a lot of Buckeye fans are, are wondering. He says, good morning, guys. How good or technically bad will the team up north be this year? Can we get a score prediction of the game? You know what? I, I'll go first on this one. I think they'll be pretty good on offense, and they have a new offensive coordinator, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, uh, but I wasn't a huge Josh Gaddis fan. Um, where I think they're they're obviously going to take a big step back on defense. I mean, they're losing a bunch of good guys personnel-wise, but I really liked their – or I really didn't like him because he was so good. Uh, Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, who's now the Ravens' defensive coordinator. John Harbaugh lent him out to his brother for a year. So we'll see how their new defensive coordinator does, especially losing a lot of top talent. And even guys that weren't even like, aren't even, might not even get drafted or drafted 
till very late, like Christopher Hinton, the defensive tackle, and Vincent Gray, a guy that left early who might not even get drafted, but would have helped Michigan. So I don't think they're going to be that good. I think their offense could be. Um, and I think they're in big trouble when they play Ohio State. A score prediction, you know, give me something like um, I'll, I'll go – I'll go 45 to 24 Ohio State in the game. What do you think, Bex? Well, anytime you lose both your coordinators and a number of key personnel, it's not a good thing. And then when you combine that in that you lost them because your head coach was actively trying to leave while he was ahead with his shock win last year in the game, I I have to think that we're going to end up looking back at the 2021 season as a bit of a flash in the pan at the end of the Harbaugh era. The reality is that's the sort of upset that is a once a decade sort of thing. So I don't want to make too much of it. And honestly, it's been once a decade, realistically speaking, the last 20 years. So I think they're not going to be great. I'd say nine and three is probably a realistic outcome for them. Uh, Their schedule's weak, though, man. Their schedule it, is it is weak. It is weak, and it was weak as hell last year. Until the they, final they, week of, of, of uh, November, that, that's not going to be weak. That's going to be a bad day for them, I think. Yes, but they have not – like, they don't have the major crossovers from the other division that are the ones that you think, like, at least right now, are going to be the better teams, right? So their schedule is Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State, and that's it. They don't have a Notre Dame or anything like that on their schedule. So uh, I think that Michigan's probably looking at 9-3. and three. Maybe they'll schedule their way into 10 and two and they're going to come into the game thinking they're super awesome, but I think Ohio state's going to humble them hard. Uh, and that's just, I think Ohio state's going to be a TJ Stroud's going to enter the game again with a chance to be the highest front runner. Ohio state's probably going to be in position to clinch a championship game birth if they haven't already. So in my mind, I think it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot like that game where the late, great Dwayne Haskins just threw the ball all over the field the entire day. And I think Ohio State's going to have a very emphatic victory this fall because last year, to me, has everything written about flash in the pan, fluke, one-off, not repeatable, not like an indictment of the program structure, especially with Ohio State reloading the defensive issues that were the core of why they lost that game. We're going to get to more of your questions to finish the show in a few minutes, um, and there's a lot to get to. But I do want to get to the NFL draft, which is tomorrow. I absolutely love it. As you guys, if anybody who knows me knows, I am an NFL draft junkie. I'll be watching the entire, like, round seven. That's that's me, so I can't wait. First round tomorrow, uh, rounds two and three on Friday, and then they'll wrap up rounds four through seven on Saturday. Cannot wait. Um I think the best in the business that does the uh, NFL draft uh, analyzation is Dane Brugler, who we have on the Bucknuts Morning 5 quite often. Dan Rubin has him on. Uh, We're also going to have a story on the site later today with Dane Brugler comparing C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young. It's never NFL draft is tomorrow. We're going to do a piece on the site uh, later today looking at next year's draft. So, you know, never too early to look at next year's draft. But it's really cool to hear what Dane Brugler has to say about C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young. Another guy I think does a really good job is Matt Miller from ESPN. He did his seven-round mock yesterday. And, Bax, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. No surprise, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in the first round. Um, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, he has him projected in the second round. J- 
Jeremy Ruckert and Thayer Mumford in the third round. And then Tyreek Smith and Haskell Garrett in the sixth round. That'd be a big drop for Haskell Garrett. Um, he was projected no worse than a day two pick, rounds two and three entering the season. He was even getting some run as maybe a late first entering the season. And now he's being projected as a sixth. Give me your thoughts on all seven of those guys. Do you agree with Matt, where Matt Miller has them? And if not, where would you uh, peg those guys? I think the two I disagree with is I'd have Garrett higher and I'd have Munford a little lower. I think Munford's probably a four in my eyes. And I think Garrett's going to go four or five. Um, he obviously didn't have the same caliber year as he did the year before when we had the Samoan connection at defensive tackle. Uh, regrettably, I think the D tackles from last year, I think Togi I should have stayed and I think Garrett should have gone. <laughs> so unfortunately they both did the opposite. Cause I think what if Togi I fall to the fourth round? Yeah. Browns, so, Browns stole him in the fourth round. I think that he's going to probably play a big role now in his second year. Yep. Yeah, he will. So if he had stuck around, we might've been talking about another second round or higher kind of player, but that's neither here nor there. I think uh, I think that I, those are the two I'd probably quibble with in that uh, I, I, I think NPF's going to go in the second round. He's got too much physical measurables and too many years of film at an elite school for him not to be somewhere in that top two, three round range. But I, I think uh, I think Garrett's going to go higher than the sixth round. And I think Munford probably has come off the board before the fourth round. Remember how risk at first NFL teams are. And Munford's had those back issues that had cropped up over the course of his career. So I, I think that'll hurt him. Yeah, and, and I, I will say this, in that uh, seven-round mock draft, how about these guys like Dane Brugler and Matt Miller doing seven-round mocks, picking every pick of the draft? Um, goodness gracious. Um, he did have Thayer Mumford as one of the compensatory picks in the very, very late third round. So I think you're on to gotcha. something. I think if I had to bet, I, I'm with you. I would bet Thayer's going to be a fourth-round pick. I think you're right. I think someone's going to get Haskell Garrett in the fifth round. All right, as promised, let's get back to some questions here. Um, got plenty of them, including people clowning on my Reds. Don't worry about it. I clown on the Reds as much as anybody, so that, that's fine. Um, okay, here we go. This is from Steve. You know, Dave, before we get into this, yeah. I just wanted to say I looked at the standings the other day, and the Reds were 3-13. and 13. And I thought, well, the Bengals are good now, so somebody in Cincinnati has to go three and thirteen. Right. That sounds like a, a Bengals record from the nineties and <laughs> not that long ago. The year they got Joe Burrow, the year before they got Joe Burrow, thank God they went two and fourteen that year. They almost screwed it up. They won they won their final game of the season that year, I think against the Browns, but and they almost screwed it up and didn't get the first overall pick. Um, thank goodness they did. All right, this is from Steve. Um, want to know with name, image, and likeness, will the NCAA need to drop the number of scholarships and move to something more like a salary cap? I don't know. I mean, it's the Wild West. So anything's possible. Bax, what are your thoughts on that? I think once Mark Emmert's gone, I have no real clear answer where this is going. And he announced his resignation in a year's time yesterday. Yeah. The, rea the reality to me, Dave, is, is that I think the money side of this is going to only make things more and more Wild West. I mean, We've heard about the $8 million NIL deal for a certain 2023 recruit. We've heard all kinds of crazy stuff. And in my opinion, I think Jack Swarbick from Notre Dame is the closest to, to where this is going to be going, which is you're going to have another tier of football, and that's going to be the ones that are essentially treating it like a pro-development league associated with the universities, like the Power Five essentially do. And then you're going to have that second group that can't afford to do it. And – 
that pro development league team, they may go up to a higher scholarship number than they currently have because they, they want to keep the depth on rosters. So I, I don't really know, though, because this was kind of like the Supreme Court saying, no, you're allowed to do this. This, is, this would be horribly illegal in any other model in American life. And now we're all just rampaging through the early fits and throws, right? It's like looking back at a historical revolution in, in some country where the first year or two is just a bloody mess. We're in the midst of the bloody mess of the new era of the NCAA. And however it goes, I don't think anybody has a true prediction, except that we're going to be following the money. I also think that the schools that are the traditional money powerhouses or are closer tied to places that have strong finance, like city, schools in major cities, are going to be the ones that are going to be more powerful on this track. Like Ohio State? Like Ohio State. So as a Buckeye fan, I'm really not that worried. But I don't think this – here's the thing, though, Dave. I don't think this NIL thing is such a paradigm shift that a lot of people do. I think a lot of people are like, oh, my God, look at the money. Look at Texas A&M buying a, a, the number one class. You know, Aggie, like three years ago, paid Jimbo Fisher like $75 million guaranteed or something insane. Uh, Aggie had top ten classes the years before that, right? They're not exactly an outlier. The outlier for them has never been talent over the history of Texas A&M. It's been winning, which they still aren't doing super well. And I, if you look at the schools that are recruiting, like it's not like Alabama or Ohio State or LSU or anybody like that isn't still – like the top 25, if you look at last year's class, doesn't look notably different than the top 25 in recruiting from 2011 or 10 or 05, right? You're going to have a couple fits and starts on programs being up and down, right? But for the most part, it's the same guys. And there's a reason for that. If we start seeing, like, Purdue or, like, you know, Oregon State or something being top ten recruiting schools, then you know that something major has happened or there's some billionaire floating their program, right? But – this isn't, this isn't even like a couple years ago when Ole Miss all of a sudden landed five-star recruits, in, like four or five-star recruits in a year. And everybody was like, well, they're getting paid, right? That was the, the Treadwell and uh, who was the, the lineman who uh, got caught smoking the bong the, the night of the NFL draft a couple of years ago? Larry the Tunsil. Tem- Tunsil, that's Tunsil. it, Laramie Tunsil. All those guys, the year they went to Ole Miss, everybody was like, wait a minute here. If we see something like that, then that's the NIL impact. And remember, Hugh, Hugh Freeze even called out everybody. He put something on Twitter like, if you have any information, like call our compliance department. It's like yeah, people, people I think took him up on that bluff. They called his bluff there. No, I think you nailed it. Let's get to another question here. Um, a lot of people want to know about special teams. Um, will Ohio State get the transfer kicker from USC who has three years of eligibility left? People also want to know what's going on with uh, – this is from where – goes one loyal listener and uh ed also follows up like who's our kicker um yeah i mean how do the special teams look i think emeka uh, buka is going to be a great kickoff returner they're still using jackson smith and jigba as the punt returner i don't know how how often they're going to do that but they can use a mecca back there as well and some other guys as far as kicker i don't know man now the latest i'm hearing is maybe you know the ruggles and the usc transfer if he does come here would both be on the team on scholarship and maybe Cybert would be the one uh, to look elsewhere. 
Bax, uh, your thoughts overall on special teams? Oh, and Jesse Murko, he looked okay at the spring games. It's tough to tell. I thought he was solid as a true freshman last year, even though he was 24-year-old true freshman. You got to think he's going to be better in year two. Had never played college, had never played football before, period, other than Australian rules football. Um, Bax, your thoughts on the special teams? And what do you think is going to happen with Ruggles and the USC transfer at kicker? I think you take the USC kid and then you worry about what happens later. I think you tell the SC kid, you come here to Ohio State, you're going to kick for two years because he's clearly going to be the choice over Cybert, in my opinion. And I think their, their, their thought with Ruggles is, you know, are you going to come back next year and kick for what would be, what, his sixth year in college? Something like that? And the reality is Ruggles is off traveling the world right now. Uh, who says he wants to come back and go through the rigors of another football season? So I think you have to be smart about it and take the USC kid. There's our transfer portal kid, by the way, to get us back to 85 that we weren't thinking about earlier on the, on the podcast here, Dave. So I, I think you take the SC kid. I think if Cybert decides that that's, he doesn't want to be behind him, then there's another kid who's looking for a spot somewhere else. But at the end of the day, I think you need another kicker because until Ruggles comes back, what if he decides he's ready to move on with his life after traveling for a couple months all spring? The fact that he wasn't there for spring football to me is a little concerning. Here's another interesting question. I think a lot of people have been wondering this. This is from Nick. Nick wants to know, can schools bring in a player, not have them on scholarship, so they'd be a walk-on, preferred walk-on, but get them NIL money to pay for their school and other stuff? I Yes, I think so, unless I'm missing something. I mean, first of all, it's the Wild West, so there's really no regulations anyway. Right now, you could have a walk-on, and they could make NIL. It would be a backroom deal, but backroom deal, deals happen all the time. Yes, Bax. I think the answer to Nick's question is yes. Yeah, and this is an extension of uh, – remember like when you had multi-sport athletes back in the day and you had somebody who played like baseball and – huh? <laughs> yeah, right? So like you would have somebody playing baseball and football. And the NCAA had to make a rule saying that like if you're playing football and something, you have to count towards the scholarship limit. Because coaches were trying to stash like a kid on the golf team and a kid on the baseball team and a kid on the basketball team to get around scholarship numbers. So, but there's, there's no reason right now you couldn't, but I don't know if you would for three reasons. One, if you're not on scholarship, you're not eligible to eat at the training table and get all the nutritional benefits and all that other stuff that's a major part of today's program. To me, that's the biggest reason I don't think you'd do it. Two, if the kid's not on scholarship, then you can't really sign him until he gets on campus, right? And I know with the transfer portal, that's not as big of a deal. But if you commit to be a preferred walk-on, you could always just go somewhere else to sign your, your support paperwork. And third, I think that there's a certain element of pride to these kids to getting offers, right? So you have to get, like, the right kid who'd be like, yeah, I'm coming anyways, and somehow be able to make it work. And also, isn't there a rule about, like, once you're on scholarship, you can't stay on the team not on scholarship? So – it would only be for incoming kids, right, Dave? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, yeah, you couldn't – maybe you could take a kid off scholarship and then put them on NI. I, I have – I mean, the, there, again, there's really no regulations right now. It's going to be interesting. But I think to answer his question, yeah, I think you can bring somebody in and, you know, and them not being on scholarship. But really they are because they have a million-dollar NIL deal. Now, I think we are going to see stuff like that. I mean – you have all of these loopholes. People are going to jump through them. No doubt about it. Um, 
Love it, love it, love it. Look at this. I, I really appreciate the nice comments coming in. Hey, a daily listener from Korea. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Alexander. And I hope you mean South Korea, not North Korea. My little joke there. I'm sure you mean South Korea because there's no way. Uh, there's no internet in North Korea that would be able to access the Bucknuts Morning Five. <laughs> there's nothing in North Korea. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to be in North Korea. But I appreciate that. I really appreciate uh, you uh, listening for. Uh, being a loyal listener from South Korea. We appreciate that. Hey, thanks to all the great uh, comments and questions on today's show. We really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks to the knowledge of Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It's the bucket. He's going back through the years. I kind of I kind of gave him a little dig. I'm like, you're a spoiled brat. Bax became an Ohio State fan um, basically in late 2001. So, you know, he, yep. became, he became you know, a big fan, you know, when Jim Trestle – Backed up his 310-day speech, went up to Ann Arbor and won that game. Then backs his freshman year at Ohio State was 2002. What a good year to be a freshman at Ohio State when they do something like go 14-0 and win the national championship. So Bax is going through back through the years of his day as a Buckeye fan, and it's a really cool read. So, um, you know, make sure that you guys uh, get on Bucknuts and read Bax's column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thanks again to all of our listeners and viewers. Love you guys. Really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks again to Bax. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. All that stuff really helps. Thanks again to everybody out there. Hope everyone has a great day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.